Welcome back to another episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I am Sean. And I'm Ed's, and we're doing baseball. We are a bi-weekly... Baseball history podcast. Baseball history podcast. Where two friends tell stories from baseball's past, and the storyteller, or sorry, the story receiver, does not know what the storyteller is going to be telling you. That'd be weird if the storyteller didn't know the story. We could do that one episode (laughs) where you write one and just hand it to me, and I'm like, what? (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised at all, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. We could have a guest. Yeah, we could have a guest. Anyway, we're not uh, discussing (laughs) pre-production. New format. Yeah. Uh, so welcome to the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball, and find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us a review and a rating. We would appreciate it very much. Sean's got to get to the hockey game. So no, I was just saying, I was just saying, I go, you know, I don't care about the hockey. Hockey game hasn't even started yet. He wants to catch the end. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the best part of anything. <laughs> The end. The end. Oh <laughs> uh, no! I just uh, you know, I want to get I want to get home at a decent hour. Um, but I'm just uh, kidding. He's excited about the story. I'm like, very excited about this All story. Right. Well, I'm excited too. I want to hear it. Uh, so it is a recent story. Okay. We've covered all. We've done the social media and and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's that's all done. Yeah, all right. You have not been listening to no, anything I've said. Absolutely not. When you start the podcast, I just wait for you to just point at me. There we go. He's pointing. <laughs> um, so, uh, a lot of times, uh, we'll start off the podcast by asking the other person if they know. What we're talking about? What we're talking about, who we're talking about. Today is a big who are we talking about. Okay. Uh, this story is a bio, uh, and it's probably of somebody that you've heard of, and Edsy, you've probably heard of them too. You've probably even seen them pitch. In person? Yep. All right. Maybe. I don't know about that last one. You kind of caught me off right? <laughs> I'm like, in person, on the TV, you were definitely yeah, a person right. watching the TV, <laughs> yeah. and this guy was there. Okay. Uh, so. So maybe not that recent. Maybe not that recent, but it's, it's pretty recent. So Ugeth Urtain Urbina Villarreal was born in Caracas, Venezuela, February 15th, 1974. So... Ugeth Urbina. Uget Urbina, actually, I believe is the correct pronunciation. Okay. Do you know Uget Urbina? I don't think so. You don't think so. All right. Well, I guarantee you at some point when you were uh, probably half your age, you watched him pitch. Okay. Um, so Urbina, uh, also known as Uggy. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't think I call him Uggy, but that is a nickname. That might come up. Okay. Uggy, Ugi, Yugi. Uh, all those work. Uh, so he was signed <laughs> by the Expos in 1990. Uh, like lo- most uh, Latin American players, he was only 16 years of age when he signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, as most pitchers, he signed as a starter. But you probably know Uget Urbina as a famous reliever. After this episode, you will definitely know him as something quite different. Uh, all right. So... Uh, let's get to his ambiguous. Yeah. Let's get to his career to start. So the first part of this is career. 
Uh, the second part of this is wow, and uh, that's all I'm going to say. All so right. he starts off his career in 1991. He's a 17-year-old kid playing in rookie ball in Bradenton, Florida. So you're 17 years old. You're from Venezuela. The Expos are like, you're on our team now. Mm-hmm. Come to Florida. So he goes there. Uh, he plays for the Gulf okay. Coast League affiliate. Uh, the right-handed pitcher excelled at the young age, playing against players that were much older. Remember, he's about 17. He's probably playing against 20-year-olds mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's started 10 games, uh, only gave up 16 earned runs, and only gave up two home runs in 63 innings pitched. So really good. Yeah. Three complete games, uh, one of which was a complete game shut it. So Mm 17-year-old dominating. Yeah, just lighting it up. Yeah. So uh, this was an era of transition for the Expos. The team was, was going through a change in ownership while also slowly building a contender. Unfortunately, Uget... Mm -hmm. Uh, for Uget, his timing was just a little bit off. So over the next three seasons, 92, 93, and 94, uh, the Expos would become uh, one of the best teams in baseball in the National right. League. So he's just a bit too young. He's a little saying, bit. Yeah. He misses that kind yeah. of yeah. era. Especially in the early more 90s. like this is kind of an era, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more of an era where, you know, your your major league rookies are like, you know, 23, 24-ish. Oh, yeah. There's, there's Guys are older. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. It's he, less of a young man's league at this time. A, a little bit, yeah. He definitely doesn't... Uh, I mean, obviously, through. there's like, you know, your superstar guys that yeah. are undeniable, but... Well, the, this is one of them. So at, at, he starts... This guy's a superstar guy? Well, he's well obviously, a, he's had the, the, the big, the big yeah, numbers. He's had 17. one big okay. season. So at 18, uh, he, was, he goes to Class A. Okay. So he's 18 in Class A. He's the youngest player on his team. Uh, and... I think he was the second youngest in the league. So he put up solid numbers again uh, against the majority 21 and 22-year-olds now that he was facing. He pitched 142 in a third innings with a 3.22 ERA and pitched five more complete games and two more shutouts. So Mm -hmm. 18 against 21, 22-year-olds, he's dominating still. Uh, The following season, he was laterally promoted to the single-A Burlington Bees because I guess Montreal had two single-A teams at the time. I don't know. Okay. In the Midwest League, Urbina lit up Burlington as a 20-year-old. He posted a 10-1 record over 16 starts with 107 Ks in 108 and a third innings. Uh, the Expos were getting excited about this kid and promoted him to double A at 19 years old. Or I guess he's 20 years old at this point. Sorry. So at 20 years old, he's in double A. Urbina's shooting through the system, but double A, he actually hits his first kind of road bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went... Four and five uh, with uh, 4.11 ERA and uh, 1.4 whip, which is not that good. Yeah. Uh, and only 45 strikeouts in 70 innings. So he finishes off the year in double A. He doesn't look that good in double A. Um, what a drop off. Yeah. So that's the end of the 93 season. So Urbina had opened a lot of eyes, but many evaluators looked to see what he could do his second time around in double A. Uh, so Urbina did not disappoint. He went back to double A and dominated nine and three with a 3.28 ERA in 1994. Uh, so that offseason, he's ranked the 27th best prospect by Baseball America. Uh, of, of everyone? Everyone. Okay. Yeah. So he's very, very up there in, in yeah. prospects. Uh, even. Even with all the success, uh, though, 1994 was a terrible year for Urbina and his family. Obviously, there was the strike, so he was worried that right. about his future in baseball and stuff. Uh, but 
there was a knock at his door, and it was his manager. And normally, that meant either good or bad news about your baseball career. But instead, this was horrible, terrible, awful news. His father, Juan, was murdered by bandits while resisting a robbery in Caracas. Oh, my God. Yeah. His so, manager came to tell him that? Yeah, in the hotel room. I mean, that's... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, They're on, right. like, a road trip right, or whatever. Right. He's in double A. Uh, so Urbina was crushed, obviously. I don't know why. For some reason, I was thinking he was, like, just at home <laughs> in Venezuela. Yeah, and the manager showed up and was like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, oh, God. Yeah, so his, his dad's, it was, there was a robbery attempt. His dad resisted the robbery and was shot and killed. Right. Um, so his dad played Fuck. a huge role in getting Urbina to where he was. And the two were very close. And obviously, Urbina was so close to making the major leagues at this point that mm-hmm. it probably was crushing to to lose your dad at that point. Yeah. Um, so in 95... At any point. But yeah, like, any yeah. point. But especially that point. So in 95, he he started uh, with uh, the, the AAA Ottawa Lynx, uh, okay. which is... Uh, local flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that Ottawa had a AAA team for so long. But yeah. it was a sick. It was a sick stadium, too. Um, so just over a month into the season, he finally got the call. Uget was on his way to the big leagues. His first game in the big leagues was for the Expos uh, against Philadelphia in Philadelphia on May 9th, 1995. He pitched the sixth and seventh inning, and it didn't go well. So uh, Jim Eisenreich hit a double and was driven in two batters later by uh, another double by Mickey Morandini. Some throwbacks for you 90s Phillies fans out there. Um, <laughs> Uh, he also gave up a home run in the seventh to Charlie Hayes. Uh, so he got, uh, but he got his first win uh, in his next appearance five days later when he pitched a scoreless 12th against the Mets and they were able to uh, walk off that game and win it. So okay. bad start, but then he gets his first win five days later. Right. Uh, he was optioned back down shortly after. Uh, Urbina was back with the Expos though in July. This time he was a starter. So after getting the win, after getting the win and allowing no earned runs over seven innings, despite five walks, so hmm. not not as bad as we talked about in the last I was episode. Say, no seven, no seven, seven walks yeah. and seven hits. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he does well despite a lack of control uh, in his first outing, no earned runs, but then he gives up fourteen earned runs over his next three starts. So not good. Ouch. Ship back to Ottawa. He started 96 in Ottawa again. uh, And once again, was up with the Expos in May. He started with lackluster results, putting up a 4.14 ERA and allowing a lot of base runners and a lot of home runs. In late August, 1996, he was put in the bullpen. And this is when Urbina's career took off. Over the last month of the season, Urbina put up a 1.99 ERA over 22 innings. Damn. He only allowed 17 base runners, and his K rate spiked through the roof. So he wasn't a big strikeout guy, probably like a 8 or eight eight K per nine inning type. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's striking out, you know, 10 guys per nine or whatever. So yeah. he's averaging more than a strikeout per inning. Yeah. Uh, he seemed to have found his role in the big leagues. Over the next four seasons in Montreal, 1997 to the year 2000, Urbina pitched 222 and two thirds innings to an ERA of 2.99, a FIP huh. of 2.89. Uh, and he collected 110 saves 
while finishing 182 games. So dude was dude was a closer. Yeah, was doing yeah. yeah. And was doing it. Yeah. So he struck out 300 batters in those 222 innings. Fuck. Yeah. Exactly. So he would, that that those are numbers that would be good for a reliever nowadays. Yeah. Let alone back then. Yeah. Also, he had problems giving up home runs as a starter. He gave up 18 home runs in those 222 innings. Wow. So so Think not about, giving up home runs anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when he was a starter, so 18 home runs in 222 innings as a reliever for Montreal. When he was a starter for them, he gave up 21 in half as many innings. Wow. Yeah. So what happened? He just some guys just get that. They just figure it out. They just figure it out when they get a new role. Brett so he, Cecil. Yeah, exactly. So he was an All Star uh, first time, 1998, and led the National League with 41 saves in 1999. Though off the field, this was the time that things started to get a little bit messed up. Just a little bit. On the field? Off. Off the field. Off the field. So in September 1999, uh, Urbina was brought up on assault charges after Aloy Ledesma uh, claimed that the pitcher had punched him in the face at the Vertigo Discotheque. Uh, knocking him unconscious for 12 hours. Remember, this is Montreal. So. Right, right. Oh, that was Ver- French. Vertigo Discotheque. Okay. I have a terrible French you accent. You do. I thought you were trying to speak Spanish. <laughs> no. No, no, no. That's how bad my French accent is. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, uh, Urbina claimed it was not him, but his brother, Ulmer, uh, who had assaulted the man. Also, very strange, all the Urbina brothers have the They're name all that they use. Yeah. Ugeth Urbina, Almer Urbina, and I forget the other one, but okay. all use. I don't get it, Mom. Um, so, <laughs> Crown Prosecutor uh, Kathleen Karen uh, said Ledesma knew or Ugeth Urbina from the local club scene and wouldn't have confused him with his brother. So Urbina's like, yeah, it was my brother. And they're yeah. like, no, we're charging you. Like, this guy knows no, who you are. No, this guy knows who you are, yeah. Yeah, but that didn't really help in court because his brother, Omer, took the stand and was like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> he just took the fall. Yeah, he took the fall. Uh, whether he actually did it mm-hmm. or not, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so Urbina's found not guilty. Uh-huh. So we can't say whether he did it. So I don't, you know, in the court of law, he did not do this. Right. Uh, but uh, one of Urbina's exes also uh, took the stand and uh, testified that Ledesma told her that it was Omer instead of uh, Ugeth. So... It was just so, like so. Every, everything's it, corroborated. But at the same saying. point, yeah, you just that, that ex girlfriend that's just like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I need you to go to court for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say it was Ulmer. Yeah. So <laughs> who knows what actually happened there? But uh, who get, gets let let off? Uh, all charges were dropped. But I mean, I didn't, I couldn't find what happened to his brother. But obviously, his brother being like, nah, I punched that guy, <laughs> <laughs> and he went to prison for the rest of his life. <laughs> Um, so with the waves off the field and the team struggling, spring training 2000 was full of trade rumors involving Urbina. The most notable, uh, an Urbina and John Rocker swap between the Expos. That would have been interesting. Yeah. So both teams publicly had to be like, no, this isn't happening. Cause it was just going wild yeah, yeah. that this trade was going down. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's not true. Expos owner, Jeffrey Loria said to the Montreal Gazette, 
I've heard for weeks now about Urbina, Rocker, a combination. There's nothing on the table. So they have to yeah. just do this. He's saying we're not even talking about it. Yeah. So Urbina made 13 appearances for the Expos in year 2000. Uh, but he had surgery on his right elbow uh, and came back healthy in 2001. So from 97 to 2001, the complete opposite for the Expos of the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Instead of being a team on the rise, they were a team just, just going yeah. down the shitter. Yeah. Right? Uh, the Expos were hot garbage. They were trying to cash in on their stars, the few stars they had. Uh, so finally, on June 10th, 2001, the Yankees agreed to a trade with Montreal. Urbina in exchange for D'Angelo Jimenez and Brandon Knight pending physicals. The Mm -hmm. Expos were severely criticized for getting too little in return. So the... the, I was going to say, well, I've never heard of those guys. Yeah, the rumor gets out that this trade's going down and everyone starts lambasting the Expos, being like, that's bullshit. Oogie's our guy. Oogie's the amazing... Oogie Boogie is the fucking closer. Tabernacle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> Not being disrespectful. <laughs> um, we love Quebec. Go Expos. Um, the, the Expos were severely criticized. So uh, Expos are being criticized, so they're just like, oh, well, Knight failed the physical. What? So the Expos say Knight failed the physical. Okay. Uh, they requested another player from the Yankees, but the Yankees were pissed and were basically just like, no, he's fine. He's fine. You're just mad because they're trying to renege on a deal because yeah. now yeah. you look stupid in the yeah. paper. Yeah. So then the Yankees trying to get back at them and they're like, well, Ugeth Urbina failed his physical. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what he said. So they're trying to like, well, we're not getting him. We're going to try to dilute like right. anything that you can get from anybody else now. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. nice move. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, different leagues. So like, yeah, well, so eh. that didn't work. Well, it kind of worked Uh, anyways. So at the trade deadline, Urbina was finally traded. Uh, the Expos shipped him off, uh, their star closer to Boston for Tomo Oka and Rich Rundles. So Mm -hmm. Tomo Oka, you know, a serviceable starter, uh, probably a fourth guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe get a little bit more than the, from the Yankees, but yeah. You'll see the Red Sox cash in huge. So uh, Urbina pitched again for the Red Sox in 2002, uh, and he saved 40 games for the Red Sox. So he's once again doing great. I believe he was an all-star in 98. He's an all-star again in 2002. Yeah. Uh, he had an ERA of exactly three, so exactly what he was putting up over those good years in Montreal when he yeah. was putting up that, that 2.99 ERA with all yeah. those saves. And now in the American League. Yeah, exactly. So he was a free agent. Uh, he signs a one-year deal with Texas. Uh, in 2003, though, would not start well for him, but it sure as hell would finish well. Uh, he was terrible for Texas. Uh, well, not at first, really. April was decent. He was okay in April. He wasn't bad. Yeah. But from May 2nd until July 9th, he put up an ERA of 5 and Ugh. blew a number of saves. So they're running him out of town in Texas right after they've signed him. So of course. July 11th, he was traded <laughs> to the Marlins for the first overall pick and the f- big-time prospect, Adrian Gonzalez. Really? Yeah. That seems like a lot. Yeah. I mean... Exactly. I mean, I know it's the baseball first pick, which is like, meh, whatever, but like still. Yeah. So he would uh, light the world on fire. I believe there was another Yankees trade between like from Texas to the Yankees this time involving Urbina that was 
like the Florida came in and blew them away. Yeah. They were like ready to agree with the Yankees. And then, so once again, he was not a Yankee. Mm. Um, so there's twice now that the Yankees could have had him and they messed up. Um, but Florida just blew them away. And it's a good thing Florida did because he lit the f- world on fire for the Marlins, uh, helping them defeat the Yankees, Yankees in their second World Series title and their second in six years. Right. Um, from the trade to the end of the regular season, Urbina was back and probably better than his old self. Uh, putting up a 1.41 ERA over 38 and a third Holy innings shit. pitch. So great. Yeah. Um, he wasn't the closer at first, uh, but Marlins closer Brandon Looper posted a 6.26 ERA in the second half. So by the end of the year, Urbina was back in the closing Yeah, role. no kidding. Yeah, so he's back there. Uh, he pitched well in the playoffs. He blew two saves. Not good, but both times the Marlins managed to win the game. So yeah. he, he so blew the save, but he didn't blow the game. It's lucky. It's yeah. lucky when he blows the yeah, save. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, Let's put him in every time. So he <laughs> finished He finished off the Giants in the NLDS in Game 4. And then this is the famous Marlins-Cubs NLCS right. with Bartman. Right. Uh, Who's so, that? Yeah, <laughs> that's another episode. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever do that as an episode. No. It's too well, too yeah. well covered. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so he finished off the Cubs. That was Game Six, but in Game Seven he finished off the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's on the mound there when they go back to the World Series. Uh, he probably would have been on the bump too to finish off the Yankees, uh, but Josh Beckett, of course, pitched a brilliant, yeah. complete game right. uh, to finish off the Yankees. So Urbina was a World Series champion. He was at the top of his game and had reached the pinnacle of baseball. But the good times would not last over the next few years, and his family would be ripped apart, and he would be out of the league and out of society. Society. So that all... Out of society? Uh, Segregated from society. Prison? So, that (laughs) offseason, Urbina was arrested in Venezuela for firing a gun from an SUV while allegedly intoxicated in an upscale neighborhood of Caracas. Uh, They were charged with possession of a weapon, him and his friend, uh, without a license and misuse of a firearm. Uh, When they went before a judge, Urbina claimed they had fired the gun to scare off robbers, a fact that he had failed to mention to the police. It was my brother. (laughs) Yeah, basically. <laughs> my brother has... It was Ulmer. Yeah, it was Ulmer. Yeah. He, he showed up, fired the gun, yeah. ran off. We were just... We were like, don't. Don't do that. I thought he was in jail in Montreal. No, no, no. no he got a day pass. Yeah. So <laughs> so he tells the judge that they, they, were, they were almost robbed, and he fired the gun to scare away the robbers, but... Right. The issue is that he didn't tell the police that when the police arrested his drunk ass that night. (laughs) Okay. So, but either way, he gets, he wins. He's got a good lawyer. He gets the charges dropped. What? Yep. So not in the police report. And he just says it in court. Yeah. And they're like, oh, why didn't you say that to the cops? He's like, I was drunk. I was drunk. (laughs) I was drunk and on drugs. In the car, yeah. shooting guns. Yeah, but, I mean, at robbers. At not, robbers, though. Not, just, not yeah. just for fun. Yeah. Um, I wasn't so intoxicated that I was unaware that I was being robbed. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just enough that I, I was in shock. Uh, so he, he signs with the Tigers that offseason. Uh, a one-year contract with a second-year option. Uh, he didn't have a good year for the fourth-place Tigers. And the season ended early when his mother was kidnapped in September. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus. So, uh, September 1st... So his mother's kidnapped now. Well, September 1st, 2004, 
four men entered the Urbina property uh, in Acumare del Tui, uh, Venezuela, dressed as police officers. Uh, they presented a fake warrant to search the house and proceeded to kidnap Urbina's mother, Mara, Mara Villarreal. So they're like, we're the police. And Man. then, yeah. So they fuck. all, well, you want to see fuck. They also kidnapped a 19 year old motorcycle mechanic named Wilson Bolivar, who just happened to show up while the crime was being oh, committed. Oh, what a shit day at work that guy had. <laughs> I'm here to fix the I'm motorcycle. To, uh, no, you're here to be kidnapped. Ah. Uh, but you're the police. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> Um, so they left, they, they stole his mom's car as well, uh, a Ford Fiesta, which was, you know, just interesting choice, a bright green Ford Fiesta. So that's, so I'm assuming they took two cars. They're just like, okay, we got, we got an extra person. We need another car. Um, what did you drive? You follow us. Yeah. (laughs) So they, they, they took his mother and disappeared. Uh, they sent a ransom reportedly, of $15 million. Uh, so this, of course, was big news in Venezuela and big news in America. Yeah. Detroit, obviously, uh, an um, all-star from baseball. His mother's been kidnapped. So Urbina immediately left the Tigers in September to fly home mm-hmm. as the police began their investigation and negotiation. Police were adamant that Urbina not pay the ransom. So he's yeah. made like $25 million or whatever in his yeah. career. He's not like, saying, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. He, he really wants his mom back. Remember, he lost his dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not good. So they, they don't want to set the precedent, though, of causing more kidnappings. Right. Right? So, you know, it's, you take this guy's mom and he gives you a million bucks and then, you know, everyone's, you, everyone's taking everybody's mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody's... You pay to get this, you pay to get your mom back and then everyone's mom disappears. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they knew the whole world was going to be watching, though. Uh, Joel Rengifo, uh, the director of Venezuela's anti-kidnapping police unit, assigned 15 officers to the case, and it was reported to be monitored by a Venezuelan president, Hugo Chavez himself. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I believe yeah. the, the whole like kidnapping units, like 60, 70 people. So they took like a quarter. 25% yeah, of them. Yeah, they're just yeah. like, you guys are all working on this. Uh, but Urbina's mom was far away having been forced from the vehicle onto a private jet and flown over 3,000, not 3,000, 300 miles uh, south to the province of Bolivar, uh, then marched into the jungle and held an abandoned tourist camp. Holy fuck. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll get to it. She was, like, transferred, you'll see. So the nearest town was... This this is obviously, like, a cartel kidnapping or something. Yeah, this is is professional. Yeah, These guys are professionals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the nearest town was an eight-hour drive away, and the camp was well-guarded as well as surrounded by booby traps. So Mm -hmm. good fucking luck escaping. You'll either be shot, blown up, or die in the jungle trying to find civilization. Yeah. Um, So the kidnappers were originally Venezuelan, uh, but she was sold to Colombian drug dealers who ran and guarded the compound deep in the jungle. Holy fuck. Yeah. So they, they talked to Urbina on the phone several times over the next five plus months. Uh, so oh they, my God. They, they, the, the a reported ransom was a little bit high. So, so they were actually demanding $6 million, not 15. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Splitting hairs. Yeah. So way less reported, but, but still pretty hefty. Uh, many of... Urbina's friends uh, and fellow baseball players said they were willing to like. Basically, they were like, "We'll we'll help you pay. Like, if you want to just pay and get your mom back." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, they just he just wanted his mom back, but he he 
followed the police. The police gave him, they were like, don't do it, man. Just don't do it. You're setting a bad precedent. So he withheld the urge to pay. Urbino was not allowed to speak with his mother, but he w- was able to ask questions only she would know the answer to as like a, a proof of life, right? So when you oh, kidnap yeah. somebody, yeah. for anybody, all you amateur kidnappers out there, if you yeah. kidnap somebody, you got to <laughs> prove that they're alive. And before there were video cameras everywhere, you know, right. you, you had to do it. So he talked to his mom a couple of times and, or, you know, got yeah. to ask her questions a couple of times to prove that she's alive. Yeah. Um, so the police promised that they would get the mom back safely. But as weeks turned into months, a happy outcome seemed less and less realistic. Urbina stopped shaving or cutting his hair. He didn't speak to the media uh, often at all. But in December, in a rare interview, he talked about his mom's strength and resolve. So in December, that would have already been like three months into this yeah. plus. Like it's imagine that. So other Venezuelan stars said they'd pool money. I already said that for the ransom. Uh, if Urbina decided to go that way, Urbina held strong. And finally, after five months, uh, police got a tip of her location after a raid on a different drug camp that led to a witness. So okay, in a scene from. Predator. Everybody says Rambo, but you've clearly never seen the first Rambo. Um, <laughs> in a scene from Predator, uh, any or any number of action movies other than the first Rambo, um, <laughs> officers from the elite kidnapping unit raided the compound. So they snuck in stealthily. They took a boat down the... Oh, I'm going to mess this... Guaniamo River uh, to avoid the armed guards Did and the good. explosive tripwires and booby traps. Uh, a firefight then ensued. So they were like stealth it about it. Yeah. There was uh, so this was a fucking crazy firefight it's, too. Uh, it sounds like it would have been. It would have been yes. So p- two police officers were injured during the shootout. One of the kidnappers was shot. The bullet exited the man's body and pierced a propane tank, oh, causing man. a spectacular fireball. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, So uh, I have a quote. Uh, The explosion was so powerful. I was knocked to the ground, says Renjifo. Uh, The kidnapper's body flew into the air and landed on top of me. Not an easy undertaking at all. (laughs) No, I would imagine not. Yeah. So, Dude flew across the the sky and then landed on me. It wasn't easy. I blew this motherfucker's guts out and then he exploded at me. And then he bled all over me. By the way, not easy. Yeah, yeah. Some of <laughs> it, was it I, quite an undertaking. Yeah. So he told this to the New York Daily News in a hotel after the the whole thing. So Joel Ren Rengifo is the member of Venezuela's at least anti kidnapping force. Uh, and yeah, so part of it is just like, yeah, that probably happened, but did it happen to that effect? Like mm-hmm. you, you might be pumping that up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so two other captors were taken captive and others fled into the wilderness. This is weird. Another kidnapper who was wounded died a day later, his body partially eaten by wild animals. So I'm like, I guess they just didn't clean up afterwards or he got wounded and like ran off and then yeah. died. And then they, you know, wild boars him. ate him or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they seized- what would eat him. There would be several things would eat Lots him. of bugs. Yeah. It's the jungle. It's basically the Ugh. Amazon. So the bugs. Oh God. So 1300 pounds of cocaine uh, was seized. Uh, but most importantly, Urbina's mother was not harmed and she was finally free. Very good. So five months and 18 days. 
that's how long she had been captive. Uh, she had lost over 50 pounds in the ordeal. Fuck. She later said that her of her abductors, which is a fantastic quote, is, you can't say they treated me either well or poorly. The most hurtful thing was having to hear them say my rich son didn't love me because he didn't pay. Mm. So she's like... They didn't really treat me that bad. They were just kind of like mean on an emotional on an emotional level. They were they were emotionally abusive, (laughs) which is not as bad as physically abusive. I was underfed. I had nothing to do. I was in a tent for almost six months. But the meanest thing they did to me (laughs) was say that my son didn't love me. (laughs) So Urbino was waiting patiently. Uh, but didn't want to get his hopes up when he knew about the raid going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the call finally came, and he rushed to the police station. Uh, the family was reunited, but with the events, uh, they had very little time to relish uh, and rest with, with the family. Remember, this is February now. Yeah. So Urbina's like, hi, Mom, love you. Gives her like a big hug, you know, probably stays for a night or two. Uh, he arranged for his mother to go to Spain for a couple months to rest and recover in Spain. Yeah. Uh, and then he got on a plane and heading to Florida because spring training was starting. Fuck, might as well. Yeah. So he arrived in Miami. Did he shave? I hope so. I, yeah, I, I would assume so. Didn't see the news reports. Wouldn't have mattered. If, no. Well, I guess he would have had to if he was on the Yankees. Yeah, it's the Tigers, though. <laughs> so who cares? Yeah. Um, so he arrived in Miami, drove straight to Lakeland, showed up at Tigers camp at 6 a.m., ready to go and play baseball. Uh, this would be Urbina's last spring training and last year in Major League Baseball, though. So he pitched well for the Tigers. Uh, he put up a 2.63 ERA over 27.13 innings pitched. And on June 8th of 2005, he was traded to the Philadelphia Phillies along with Ramon Martinez for Placido Polanco. Okay. So, he's with the Phillies. The Tigers suck. The Phillies are good. Maybe he makes the postseason. We'll find out. The Phillies <laughs> finished... <Stay tuned. laughs> the Phillies finished uh, 88 and 74. Possibly good enough to make the postseason. Especially since they finished fourth in the NL that year. Right? So, mm-hmm. four teams make the playoffs back then. Yeah. They finished fourth in the NL that year. Uh, they didn't make it. Did they, they didn't make no, it. I didn't so, think so they finished two games back of the NL East. The Braves beat them out. Uh, and one game back of the wild card, the Houston Astros, who I believe lost to the White Sox That's in the right. World Series that year. Yeah. Uh, they finished with a better record than the San Diego Padres, who won the NLS that year with a laughable record of 82 and 80. Oh, it was one of those years. Yeah. So the Padres were mar- were one game above 500, and they won their division. Right, right. Uh, so oh. had the that sucks when that happens. It does. It does, especially considering that doesn't happen that often, though. No, no, it doesn't. Let me let me just wet my whistle here for the next part. <laughs> so had the MLB playoff structure been different, and the Phillies made a deep run into October, uh, Urbina's life. Could have been very different, but most importantly, the same could be said for his victims. His victims. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. so, story goes. Yeah, I don't. I'm scared of the tone. Exactly. The positive tone. Well, you know, it's just uh, things could have been different. MLB. You fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, story goes, October 15th, two weeks after his regular season came to an end, Urbina and his son uh, returned home to the ranch outside of Caracas. 
uh, they found some maintenance staff and ranch hands drinking uh, in the pool. And swimming in the pool. And they were drinking, like, beer and liquor and stuff. So, apparently, there was, like, a first initial incident where he comes home and they're in the pool. Um, and he's upset about that, obviously. He, he is. His his lawyer said that, that he just kind of, like, said a few harsh words. Like, oh, you're not supposed to be in there. What the fuck it's, are you guys doing in my pool? Yeah. So, uh, uh, but then he, like, left and he went back. So, according to the workers, though, Urbina returned later after midnight with a number of friends and accused the workers of stealing several items, including a gun. What happens next has been disputed in court, uh, but what is not disputed is the number or is a number of the workers suffered serious wounds, burns, and injuries. Yes. What? So Ricardo Osal was attacked with a machete. He needed 300 stitches in his back and 150 oh. stitches to repair oh. severed tendons in his hand. Oh, in the hands? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so dude. Putting up your hand as dude, somebody bro. chops you with oh machine. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking right. God. He also suffered burns on his face uh, and blood clots in his eyes. I'm just, like, closing my eyes. Yeah, well, that doesn't help. I know it doesn't. Uh, uh, Bernardo, Bernardo Navarros uh, suffered burns over 50% of his body. Tony Rodriguez suffered burns on his neck and in his right ear. Uh, suffered injuries to his face and both eyes, a knife cut on his right arm, and a perforated eardrum. What Wink- the fuck? What is all the burns from? Oh, you'll get to it. Oh, uh, Wink- Winkler Gallegos suffered bruises to his face and ribs. Uh, Argens Farias uh, suffered fractures in his nose and his cheekbones. And Michelin or Michelin uh, Ichenki uh, suffered. <laughs> minor injuries and several contusions. So he got off easy. <laughs> uh, How many people was that? Uh, like that, 10? That's uh, that's six. Six, okay. Yeah, so I believe there, there was uh, seven in the lawsuit total. We'll get to that. Osal, who was the uh, machete... Wielder? No, the oh, guy oh, that victim. got hit with the right, machete right. Uh, multiple times. Uh, so he told ESPN... He told us he was going to kill us and bury us underneath the ranch. After he gave me the last machete chop, he said to leave me there alone because I was going to die on the ground bleeding like a pig. Uh, this one is dead, he said. This one's a cadaver. He'll be the first we bury underneath the ranch. Oh my god. Yeah, Jesus. So fuck. he's referring to Urbina in this case. Tony right, Rodriguez. Right. One of the victims said three of the victims were tortured by Urbina, who ordered his friends to set them on fire using a variety of flammable liquids, including paint thinner and gasoline. Oh, my God. They were allowed, though, to dive into the pool every now and then to extinguish the flames. Oh, they're allowed to dive in there once yeah. in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's like, uh, but like you not- stole stuff from me, light them up, and then like, ah, and then like, ah. Not yet, though. Yeah. Don't jump in yet. Yeah. Uh was that what it was like? Like he decided when they could jump in. I guess that's what this is. That's they were. Up. He says they were allowed. He said to dive into the pool to extinguish the flames. So it sounds like somebody was holding them back from mm-hmm. doing that until they wanted to. Osal, uh, one of the other victims, said, "Yeah, he was hit in a brutal matter, uh, and he told us that if we press charges, he'd kill our families." Uh, police, yeah, the police were alerted, uh, the next day by a girlfriend of one of the victims. The woman said that she, uh, had also been tortured and then locked in a room with a minor who was slapped several times that night. Uh, so I think it was the minor they're referring to that was slapped several times that night. 
Um, so machete attack, people being lit on fire, slapping kids, slapping kids, locking women in closets. Uh, it's not good. No, it's not good. All no, because not he, good at all. he just thinks they stole this gun from him. Yeah. In which case, I would have shot him if I had stolen yeah, exactly. that gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like your your train of logic is flawed here, buddy. Yeah. So uh, the next day, police arrive at Urbina's ranch to conduct an investigation. Uh, yeah, because the girlfriend called the police. Yeah. Uh, and Urbina said he was confused when police arrived and told him he had been sleeping and didn't know of any incident taking place. Man, just it was Almer. Yeah. So the story blew up in Venezuela, obviously, yeah. and and made shockwaves around yeah. the world. So photos of the injured workers made their rounds, and people were outraged at the damage done to their bodies. You want to see? Not right now. Oh, you're gonna see, uh, dude. It, it's not that bad. Oh, okay. But still, holy that's fuck. a lot of burns. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's after he's recovered, obviously. right? Right. So it's right. not like that's someone who survived. Yeah. I thought you were going to show me like no, they weren't much dead. Much more graphic. None, stuff. none of them died. None of them died. None of them died. But like, look at that. His body is like half burned. And is that the chop guy? Is that the machete? No, guy? I think that's, that's the second so guy. The guy just had the burns everywhere. Man. The machete guy was basically. It sounds like he was like. Chopped down, chopped and then they half. like left him, and then then hit three hundred stitches on yeah, his back. Yeah, and then his hand too. So he. Probably I don't went, like oh, the hand part. Oh God, I don't no. like to think about the hand part. So um, there's photos of the workers. Uh, so the investigation is going really slow, and the victims and the press are kind of outraged that the police have not arrested Urbina at this point. Right. Uh, I would be too. Yeah. So it wasn't until November 7th, uh, three weeks after the alleged incident, that Urbina was finally arrested and charged with attempted murder. Okay. So he's arrested. Uh, attempted murder, you don't get bail, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he's in mm-hmm. jail now. Yeah. Uh, Urbina is still refuting the charges from prison, claiming the workers were wildly inebriated and done the damage to themselves and just made up the story to extort uh, money from Urbina. So he's like, no, they were just fucking drunk, and I told them they were assholes, and then they like lit themselves on fire, fire. <laughs> chopped themselves yeah. in half with machetes. Yeah. yeah. So what? Yeah. Uh, victims held firm, uh, saying they wanted to see justice done and didn't care about any money or financial compensation. Right. right. So they're like, no, like don't you don't get to chop us in half or light us on fire and multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so a few MLB players and coaches came to Urbina's defense, of course, uh, including Ozzie Guillen, uh, oh. saying, what I know is I don't think Ur- Uges a murderer, which of course he's not, Ozzie. He's being charged with attempted murder. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think he's an attempted murderer. Yeah, that's, uh, sorry. That's what I He couldn't kill anybody. Yeah. yeah, no, he didn't. Oh, well, I mean, he couldn't attempt to kill anybody. I don't think that he would try. Yeah. <laughs> Just completely. Uh, so Urbina Guillen has had some shit quotes. Yeah. So Urbina's lawyer, uh, Jose Luis Temeo, uh, defended him uh, by saying, "Well, why didn't he just kill them then? Like <laughs> he had the what chance." The fuck? <laughs> well, he's like, well, he could have killed them, but he didn't. So he probably didn't try. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, what it, the fuck? Yeah, so he, but he says, he says, if you believe the testimony of the victims, it's unexplainable why Uget Urbina did not kill these people because he had ample opportunity according to their testimony. Uh, so, yeah, and also said he just tried to calm things down. <laughs> 
that's a, it's it's an interesting way of doing things. It's just like let me well, just he, let me just escalate this greatly, and I will calm things down. Yeah, no, but just. <laughs> Also, saying he calmed things down really contradicts his, like, oh, I was sleeping, I don't know, anything happened. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So yeah. that's one thing I was it, like, well, that it, stands out to me, yeah, is somebody yeah. being like, but at the same point, just being like, well, I think it is a lot harder to get rid of five bodies than it is just to be like, don't tell anybody about this or I'll kill your family. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how things work. You know, with hiding bodies, obviously. <laughs> but I have read you a don't? lot about kidnapping. <laughs> I think I got it. I think I got the hang of it. Um, so um, I've done enough research on this story. I think I could pull it up. I think I could do it now. <laughs> um, so uh, proceedings went ahead, uh, and Urbina was held in jail. Nearly a year and a half after the events, a uh, trial was held in uh, Caracas, and Urbina was found. Okay, so good. He's, he's found guilty of good. attempted murder in March of 2007. He was also found guilty of illegal deprivation of liberty and violating a prohibition against taking justice into your own hands. So <laughs> basically be like, I don't care what these... Like, listen, listen, you can't punish people for swimming in your pool well, they, he by thought... trying to murder them. <laughs> <laughs> he, he thought they stole his gun. Oh, but at the same point, it oh, sounds yeah. like he wasn't really stoked that they were swimming in his yeah. pool. You can't, you can't kick people out of your pool for stealing your gun and then try to murder them. <laughs> um, so uh, he was sentenced to fourteen years in prison. That's all. Well, that uh, yeah, that's all. But at the same point, that's that's a good prison sentence. But yeah, there it was is, a lot of victims. He tried to kill six people. <laughs> Seven, I think, or whatever. I think there was. Uh, I think he did he six with one of their kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so he was sentenced to 14 years in prison. Uh, Uanyer Perez, the lawyer for the accusers, uh, said to ESPN, justice has been served and praised the example this case set, uh, for justice and equality for all showing nobody is above the law, no matter how rich and famous they are. He also announced that his clients would be seeking civil damages in court. <laughs> so they're like, we don't want money at all. Oh, he's guilty? We want some yeah, money. Yeah, but we would like some money now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Urbina's lawyer uh, was incensed, claiming the sentence was too harsh and promised an appeal. So mm -hmm. he does that. The whole appeal process goes through. We don't need to talk about that. No. Nobody, no avail. Didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. But... Uh, it did work out a little bit for Urbina, the attempted murder. Um, he only ended up serving seven and a half years behind bars for the crime. Because the Yankees got him out. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's, I tried to look for a connection with the Yankees with this story just because they had tried to trade for him so many times. I'd be yeah. like, if they offered him a minor league deal after this, I swear to fucking God, Yankees. <laughs> um, so uh, he served seven and a half years. Uh, he was released from jail on uh, Christmas Eve 2012. Um, upon the release, he was 38 years old, and he spoke of a comeback, uh, but he never made it back to the major leagues. I don't think anybody really even offered I, him. I would it, there were so many like blog posts out there from, from 2012 or 2013. Where teams, Talking about this Yeah, guy. just like, well, maybe we take a runner on Uga Thurbina. He just got out of jail, and he can still throw like 91. So... <laughs> Um, but nobody did. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, he did play for the Caracas Lions uh, of the Venezuelan Winter League uh, in 2013, but he retired shortly after. So he finished his MLB career with uh, 
237 saves and a 3.45 ERA uh, along with 814 strikeouts in 600, 900 and, 697 and a third innings pitched. Uh, he had a son, Juan, who pitched for the Mets organization but never made it above single A. Uh, and in April, on April 20th of uh, uh, 2020, the Detroit News... Chris Mikowski wrote a piece suggesting that the Tigers' inability to have prolonged strength at the back of their bullpen should be named the Curse of Oogie Urbina. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, could, I could see the argument being made. I don't know why you need to give it a name, though. But. I, he was really, he was clutching. He was just like, well, this guy played for the Tigers and then tried to murder people. So basically, he's like, I got a deadline to meet and I need an article. <laughs> I need an article about the Tigers. They're garbage. We're going through a pandemic. There's nothing going on. Let's talk about their garbage bullpen and trace it all back to this one guy. Yeah, let's blame it all on He you. didn't even finish his career with the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, so that's... That is Oogie. That was that was an absolutely. You didn't yeah. expect kidnapping and no, gun that fights. Was, and that then, was like not. Uh, that fell off a cliff, like similar to Chick Stall. Like it was going so well, and then all of a sudden it was just like attempted murder. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Well, there that was, came out of nowhere. There was the slow escalation, right? There was yeah. the the nightclub fight that he wasn't right, involved right. in. That's true. There's fire in the gun. His dad was murdered. His mom was kidnapped. Like, dude has lived a rough life. Mm-hmm. At the same point, mm-hmm. he's a... If he did what he was uh, what found he guilty old. of... Right. Like, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he literally lit people on fire and, like, laughed, mm-hmm. probably, as he, as he, you know, was just like, you stole my gun. You're a millionaire, dude. Go buy another gun. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> let these guys swim in your pool. They don't need machete chops and yeah, fire. They don't need to chop their hands off, for God's oh, sake. Oh, yeah. So uh, I keep going back to that. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a story. I, I, I remember watching uh, him with the Expos, and I remember his really good year with the Red Sox as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I, I didn't really remember that he was with the Marlins until I started this, but you know, it was right. such a short period of time. But the fact that he was on the mound, like you can watch the YouTube of game seven of that NLCS mm-hmm. with him on the mound, finishing mm-hmm. it off. And then you can like turn to the person next to you and be like, that guy tried to murder like yeah. six people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still in jail? Oh no, he's not still. He's in jail. out. He's yeah, out. He's out now. He's out. He's been out for a while now. He's probably just, you know, huh. Probably lost a lot of money to the victims of yeah. that he chopped and yeah to the civil suit yeah exactly but understandably uh, but he's, uh, yeah. hopefully his mom's doing all right yeah she's the real yeah, victim fuck, of she's this the story. real victim of all this <laughs> holy fuck well beyond besides the actual victim yeah no, no, we can't victims, we can't yeah. the yeah. actual yeah. attempted murder victim that dude you saw that picture that dude that was yeah a, dude those man. are some lifetime scars yeah, there that's fucking heavy duty oh man yeah. um. But yeah, that, so uh, that was a that was a fucked up episode of Sean Ned's Do Baseball. Yeah, thanks for that story, Sean. No problem. Uh, so uh, yeah, until well next time, blah blah blah, whatever. Stumbling over my own fucking words, but yeah. follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and uh, Instagram at Doing Baseball, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know the drill, uh, all that stuff. So until next time, I'm Sean and I'm Eds. We were doing the baseball. Thanks for coming out. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>